Just a heads up before we start, in this episode we talk about gun violence and the associated trauma with that. So if that's something you don't want to deal with right now, then go ahead and take care of yourself and skip this episode. Because you are important and you matter. Otherwise, let's start the show. The following is brought to you with no commercial interruptions. Listen up. So what kind of um, wedding are you having? Is it just going to be just going to courthouse or something? Or are you going to try to have some no. people around? Or we we rented out a chapel. It's going to be small. It's mm-hmm. going to be a small wedding. But yeah, we've got people coming and it'll be fun. Okay. Oh, yeah, there's no real... Uh, restrictions for anything right yeah right <laughs> who cares if we die we die no i'm just kidding that's all <laughs> wow. welcome to season six episode 12 of the better band podcast an all-encompassing trip through every song in the pearl jam catalog i'm your host brandon palomo each episode, a different guest and I go track by track through every album, soundtrack, single, and B-side to discover why you simply can't find a better band. Welcome back to the Better Band Podcast. This is Brandon talking about the binaural track Rival with guest, returning guest, Eddie Quintana. Hello, Eddie. Hello, Brandon. How are you? I am doing well. And how are you? I'm doing great. All right. Well, let's. It's about to get better because we're going to talk about super uh, this super cheery song written by Stone Gossard. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> uh, they first played it uh, after the album came out at Pink Pop uh, in uh, June 2000. In the Netherlands, mm-hmm. yeah, that's kind of uh, strange. This the song they've played it. Let's see, as of now, and this will probably be true for a while since they're not on tour right now, and we don't know when they'll start playing again. This song is the least played track on Binaural. Makes sense. And uh, they they so about a third of the times that they've played it. No, that's over a third. Thirty six percent is over a third. So 30, 36% of the time that they've played it has been out of the country, and then 64% they've played it in the United States. Yeah. On, the, on the first time that they played it, Ed uh, gave a little talk about it because he's talking to people who aren't American, saying that, oh, we're really evolved and uh, we, we kill each other and stuff. It's also uh, it's nice to have been out of America for the last couple of weeks, and it's not that... Uh, uh, well, I was going to introduce the next two songs because in America, uh, what we do for fun, because uh, we're kind of an advanced uh, culture. And so uh, we have some uh, really kind of futuristic ways of, of handling our overpopulation problem, and, and, and that is that we give each other guns and we all kill one another. Because it's fucking fun. Anyways, uh, here's a couple songs about uh, Americans killing one another. First one's called Rival. And they usually pa- they've paired this song up, uh, following it up with Jeremy uh, a couple of times, which are both sort of school gun 
songs and stuff not necessarily other people and it's yourself and it's just sort of the mix of guns and school i guess the uh the overarching theme of these two songs yeah the two common threads are the our schools and yeah and guns so that's the uh the subtitle for this is uh, "Growing Up Gay in Littleton." They have on the uh, on the lyric sheet in the book. That's pretty. I mean, let's talk about let's talk about that for a second. That's pretty. What's the word? Provocative for the time. I mean, two thousand is a different time than twenty twenty one. You know, I mean, that's ballsy to to say that. Like a lot of people would probably be upset. Like you, you're not gonna die because you're gay you know but i mean there's at the in, especially in 2000 in small towns like that i mean they do get just harassed and it leads to violence and it's so that was i think that was pretty ballsy of them to do that especially in 2000 well there have been people who have been killed who have been gay you know i mean that's it's oh not... yeah no i'm not saying i'm not saying that that i'm just saying that some people would say like oh like you know why do you have to why i don't really know even how i'm trying to say but yeah for sure there's definitely been people who have just because they've been gay especially back then when it wasn't more in mainstream as it is now well, i mean it's it's still happening now uh, largely i think with the um with indigenous transgendered populations where uh, or or also just indigenous gay people who just disappeared because uh, it's just a, a loophole in the law of, of uh, yeah. law law enforcement and stuff. Just people not caring and yeah, it's it's pretty it's it's awful and it it sucks that it just hasn't gone gone away. Yeah, and and with that is also uh, I mean toxic masculinity and uh, what was a uh, gay panic defenses, which I think that uh, there's only. What is it? What was it? Because I think like uh, just Tennessee or something like that um, uh, passed a law saying that that's no longer a uh, a murder defense. Saying that it's like, oh, you killed somebody who was gay because they came on to you or something like that. Not gotcha. Okay. So yeah, D.C., Colorado just uh, passed it last year. Yeah, just twelve states and D.C. that have uh, that that defense isn't legitimate anymore. Just twelve? Oh my god. Yeah. Just 12, but it's uh, 14 that it's been introduced in. Well, hopefully they can get a move on on that one and get that through and pass, because Jesus Christ, that's awful. Uh, So this this, uh, Colorado Littleton uh, shooting happened in 99, and I had graduated in 97, and I remember hearing about it and being like, oh my gosh, that just seems so just insane yeah and i'm i'm the opposite i was born in 97 (laughs) um so i was uh, like one and a half when this happened so i don't really remember it but then it's just gotten so progressively worse Mm -hmm. like with um uh, 2012 uh sandy hook and then recently down here in, in florida again in 2017 the frederick douglas shooting i mean uh, it's been pretty bad, and it was just like I went to a smaller school, and it, nothing happened like that when I was in a smaller high school. But just recently, like some friends of mine were at, were still going to that same school, and they had to be on lockdown for a day because somebody was threatening to bring a gun and shoot the school up. And it was just like it's happening more and more, and it's just crazy to me. I, I think it was either in my senior year or it was like the year after where I think like somebody did shoot themselves. They, they shot them like it was over a girl and kind of was 
begging or whatever like that and shot himself in the chest Ugh. and he survived and but i mean like that even that is just something that's gonna mess you know the other person up for life you know oh yeah and it's, for all, sure. it's all it's all as they say you know a a permanent solution to a temporary problem or whatever i mean it's it's just sort of and I, th I think too, like with uh, with Wandavision just wrapping up. Have you finished it? Did you watch it? Oh yeah, I okay. did. I finished it, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but like the 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 sort of making other people suffer, making other people like forcing your grief onto other people. Yeah. Of of a lot of things is very. I don't know. It's it's. I don't know about American, but I think I think it is a, a it is a male thing. Definitely. I mean, men aren't really taught to deal with problems express emotion yeah other other than you know expressing through violence or something like that and so right. it's just sort of a a a landmine that's just there for somebody else to step on and and cause collateral damage or something yeah it's it's a, this is this is a tough topic and it's heavy and it's not talked about easy and it's yeah it's definitely it's it's a really hard topic but just like forcing not, not even forcing just I feel a certain way, therefore I'm going to make everyone else feel this way because because I feel this way or I feel this way and I'm going to make others feel this way so that I can feel better. Mm -hmm. And it's it's a very selfish, very narrow-minded way of looking at things. And um so this is this is like a world that you've you've only known, right? Yeah, yeah. Wait, like me personally, or just well, like? No, no. I mean, just just in the age that you've grown up in, it's sort of like, oh yeah, that's it's something that happens. I mean, did you have like active shooter drills or anything like that in school? Or um, I didn't, but I know that people people younger than me, whether it be you know friends or friends of friends who have, mm -hmm. and it wasn't even something that they were doing all of, all of their high school or whatever. It was just. It, it was it was threatened upon so then i think they were a junior when it was threatened so all of junior year they would practice and then all of senior year they would practice so it's like once it happens you can go not practicing these drills until it happens or is threatened and then it just you keep doing it because once it's threatened it's like at any point which is awful yes i, I think like i remember school being like closed maybe like one day in high school because there was like a bomb threat but like everybody knew it was like oh you know this isn't really anything real i mean it's not something that somebody would actually do not really thinking seriously but also just sort of not being in a world where that is a uh a possibility where that is is a historical fact i guess right yeah the the themes of this song definitely fit on binaural that's for sure it's a dark song for a dark album for surprisingly it was made before really dark time in pearl jam's career mm -hmm. which which is like ominous that they made this dark atmospheric kind of enclosed album right before you know obviously ross guild and then 911 yeah. Within a year of each other, it's just they they almost knew almost that like something bad's about to happen. And it shows on this on this album. In the liner notes, this is denoted with the asterisk that this is one of the binaural recordings. However, I think it's just the dog in the beginning is the only binaural part, which of course of course is uh Dakota, Chad Blake's uh dog, the producer. Uh-huh. 
because there's just overdubs and stuff like that all over the place in the uh and the rest of the song and and kind of um sort of the main riff changing from like the center to the right and mm-hmm. and and stuff like that so i think that it's the the actual music isn't binaural it's just the dog yeah it's de- it's definitely for sure the dog you can definitely tell it's the dog when it first starts and then after that i can't you can't really tell as much why do you think the dog is in there Ooh. What, does it, what does it mean to you <laughs> as we open up the uh, the roar shack of the uh, of the dog uh, that's that's a good i mean the dog sounds angry so mm-hmm. it's just kind of like a representation of these people that do these things are angry and so they growl and then they growl and then they start to bark and then they get more aggressive and then I think if I remember correctly how the song goes, it's the dog. And then the first thing is the snare, Matt's snare, big snare hit to go into the drums. snare could be just like a representation of they've broken and now they're going to do some like horrendous thing i mean that's a possibility of looking at it at least that's that's what i kind of imagine it's just like they they get they get they're building they're building and then they just break the the dog could also be playing i mean sometimes you know like kind of pulling on a toy or something like that Mm -hmm. because maybe like how they got the uh the dog to kind of move around the head or something right um a dog, you know, a dog is going to play with you by biting because that's the only thing it has. It doesn't have, you know, hands or fingers that can do anything. So, I mean, like, what's the line there between a threat and, I guess, a, a playful invitation or something like that? Also, you know, dogs are a product of training and their behavior and stuff like that. So, I mean, you know, if you bring up a dog nice and you treat it well and everything like that, of course, it's going to be a good dog and, you know, it's going to love people and just be happy all the time. But, you know, if you're mean to it and you teach it to be mean or to attack, to be a fighting dog or whatever like that, to try to, uh, I don't know, just be an asshole, <laughs> then, uh, <laughs> the, then that's, that's how it's going to grow up. And then, yeah. um, you know, and, and it's real hard to try to, uh, take that out of them because it's, it's, it's trauma, just like, uh, just like people and everything. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's all, it's, it's, it's all training. You could train it. Maybe you just, you know, you could train it to be aggressive and, you know, for defense of your house or your property or whatever. But if you don't train it to do other things than that, then every time anybody walks in, he's just going to growl it at that person or, or whatever. And so it's all, on how they were trained and how they were even the experiences that they that they see or that they they've had themselves it's all it's all based on that 
whether they intended that or not, we don't know. Just trying to uh <laughs> Right, exactly. <laughs> just trying to 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 read into things that aren't there just because that's uh that's what you do when you're a big uh when you're a big nerd, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why did you this was this your this was your, your first pick for a song? I'm trying to remember. I signed up so long ago. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um it was either my first or my second. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I I like this song a lot. Trying to take a step back after this very deep and emotional and hard topic we just had to take a step back and talk about just the song. Um, it's a shame that it's so far back on the album. I think it it would it would have really shined maybe just somewhere up. Maybe if they restructured the album differently, and I feel like listening to to this season, that seems to be the constant through line with everybody is you know how they restructured this album, what happened, why is it so dark? But yeah, I I like this. It's got some of my favorite words, favorite lines by Eddie Vedder at, throughout the entire career. Well, Stone Pro, wrote the lyrics. Oh, that's right. You're right. I don't know how I forgot that Stone wrote the lyrics, and it's impressive to me that Stone wrote those because. Like now that you say that it, it obviously such a stone song, like the lyrics. <laughs> First you're saying, Oh, Eddie. Oh wait, no, no, obviously it's stone. Yeah, sure, yeah, sure. <laughs> my bad. Um, but it it's I think I think that just goes to show how much they they bounce off of each other. It, it, that that stone could write such a such a song that some people would probably almost seem like it was Eddie that wrote the, the words. Cause stone doesn't really write much about like sociopolitical. That seems to be like an, an Eddie thing, you know, like Eddie wrote the lyrics to worldwide suicide, Bush leaguer, you know, yeah. grievance and insignificance both off of this album. So it's just like for stone to write this, even people would be like, Oh, Eddie could have written these lyrics. And so I think that's pretty, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. I think that Ed would write something that's a little bit more, on the nose right because i mean he wrote jeremy he wrote the lyrics to jeremy and i think like they said like they it's kind of paired up uh thematically with it so i, I think it would have been sort of more of the same with it but i mean the it's the the sort of explicit parts of it as far as uh demeaning and the intention of the lyrics all my rivals will see what i have in store my gun it's kind of like okay well yeah that's <laughs> that's real uh out there in the open, um, yeah. You better pony up and bring both your barrels full, not one. But then also, it's like super on the nose with those lyrics. But then, like the next line after the "All my rivals will see what I have in store." My gun is, I've been harboring fleets in this reservoir, red sun, and it's like, whoa! Like I remember when I was first getting into this song, and I was searching up, you know, random discussion boards or whatever on different websites about this song. Somebody was talking about like the red sun. It was mm-hmm. was the was the Japanese flag in World War II, and it was like for whatever reason that hasn't left me. Whenever I hear this song, I think I've been harboring fleets in this reservoir, Red Sun. I think Japanese Empire, Pearl Harbor, like harboring fleets, like Pearl like, Harbor. Yeah, like Pearl Harbor. All all of our ships were there, and then the Red Sun came, and it it was yeah. It's just like mm-hmm. wow, like. But then even now, looking back at it later in life, I've been harboring fleets, just like I've been harboring these things. And now anger is going to like the red sun is rising. Like my anger is, I can't control it anymore. And so, and now this nation is about to explode. It's like, it's really well crafted. And, and, uh, the, and sort of bridge, uh, says every grain of sand equals all the stars and everyone. It's real, um, 
I don't know, sort of evocative of an hourglass, just, you know, grains of sand falling and basically just piling up the dead, just everybody being killed by gun violence and everything like that. And it's just sort of like, you know, nobody cares anymore. It's just the march of time. It's just going to happen and there's it's there's it's, nothing we can do it's just part of life now and it's yeah. like no that's not that's not good it's not good enough song live um no i have not have you the one of a handful of times has been played. yeah exactly and i've only seen them once so it was very oh yeah that's right however yeah, yeah. i will say that i saw them in tampa april 11th and then they played this song in jacksonville april 13th so i was one show away from seeing from seeing yeah. um and that that <laughs> that that um, that thirteenth show, the, that Jacksonville show, has a lot of like rivals in that. There's a lot of good songs on that one, but I love my show that I went to, so I'm not going to talk bad about it. <laughs> the the listen, listening to this, I kind of forget that Matt's drums, like in the very beginning, he throws in some like kind of fills and stuff like that. It's like, oh wow, I forgot about this. I just am used to just hearing the couple of live versions where it's just very sort of straightforward how he'll. Uh, play the drums in the beginning and stuff and it's it's like oh yeah it kind of plays around a little bit in there on the record it's like oh wow yeah i I think too it's just the kind of herky-jerky sound to it is is kind of why it's kind of like oh yeah let's have this on the uh you know kind of later in the album because it's just sort of not as energetic as some of the other songs and it also kind of is a little bit of a weirder sound you know it's like ah oh, it's kind of stone doing a weird sort of uh no way on uh on yield kind of has a kind of feel yeah the of rhythm a, yeah tremor christy sort of kind of offbeat right kind of yeah. feel to it yeah and i i there's just something about stone songs that just like even of the girl can get a little funky you know and it's like you just want to like bop your head to it Mm-hmm. Um, not so much with this one, but there's that theme of stone songs that just feel more rhythm, 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 rhythmically charged than like a Mike McCready's Mind Your Manners kind of riff, where it's just mm-hmm. straightforward, hard, go, 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 or or like even like an Eddie song, like whipping or something. It's just like, yeah. And, and you know what? You know what's weird about it though is that you can. I don't know how I don't know how people view Rival in the in the community or whatever, but it's funky and it and it and it's it builds and it builds and it and it's slower, but then once it breaks, like the burner, 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 like it goes, and that's awesome. That on a dime it could just switch like that. I love the I love that sound. Yeah, that that's the bridge and like that part kind of are the the separators i guess uh, in the song that kind of um breaks apart the real kind of um jingle 
sound of of the uh of the verse and the chorus and stuff yeah and it's kind of like oh yeah hardcore mm-hmm. <laughs> you're kicking in right and then and then it goes back to that intro riff and it just feels harder you know it just feels faster and it's yeah. like yes i love that have you seen this song live uh yes i've seen it once in uh san diego on 2000 uh tour on the binaural oh, nice. tour nice yeah i talked about um because it was this was another one that was uh, paired up with Jeremy there because um in in San Diego he was talking about you know the the Jeremy story was in Texas but there was somebody else at his high school or something like that that he's talked about that he was kind of that the Jeremy story was kind of influenced by that um you know happened in the suburb or whatever of uh of San Diego where he was Stone wrote that song for the last record It was called uh, Rival, and then in parentheses, or uh, Growing Up Gay in Littleton, which is uh, where the Columbine thing happened. And this next song was written about the uh, pre-Columbine, right up north of here, something that I witnessed. And then also something I read about in the the paper from Texas, but uh, it got turned into one story, and it's called yeah, if if they get on the road soon, and and I would love to see this song. Do you think with um, how prevalent school shootings are that this song is has a place, or could it be seen as in bad taste? Or I mean, you're never gonna please everyone, and I think that I I think that there could be a, a time and a place for this kind of for for rival. It's not a song that's like pro school shootings it's a song of i feel like the performing that song is worth the explanation to those people who will who i believe obviously know that this song is not that but will try to make it out like that and i think that just going on there and just being truthful about it is that's worth playing the song Mm -hmm. because i mean if you start with rival then jeremy can't be played um glorified g can't be played um, and then, I mean, to go even bigger than Pearl Jam, Pearl Jam covered Last Kiss, but then last, like, like Last Kiss, like it, it, he in the liner notes of Lost Dogs, he's like, um, we've done we've done pretty well with teenage death songs, so we thought it was a perfect <laughs> choice for us to cover Last Kiss. And so now you're talking about like Last Kiss can't be played and all these other different songs that can't be played. So no, I think I think the people who will criticize them for playing Rival or Jeremy, they should keep playing it and then i think they should play it to make those people mad you know well i don't really i, I don't really mean like if other people are going to be upset from them playing i mean sort of like do they do you think that if they would be comfortable with it because i mean I, I i don't think that their songs for the most part are exploitative because then it's sort of like um you know love boat captain it's kind of like oh you're you're cashing in on you know those people who died at, at your show or whatever like that and that's you know not what they've done and that's not what they believe and it, it was real you know hard for them and everything like that so to try to um process it and everything like that i mean you have that and i am mine trying to just make sense of tragedy and everything right and um i think this song is kind of like that too but also just also like a rebuking of the culture that has you know allowed this part of 
America now to, to, to come into being and to flourish and sort of like, I don't know, like you're, I don't know, man, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's just sort of like a, nothing has gotten better. Nothing's changed. And then B it's, you know, all these other people's misery that you're singing about or something. Yeah. I, I think it's, I mean, that's probably why it hasn't been played as often probably because they feel that way, you know, and I, I can't speak for them obviously, but I mean, Eddie doesn't, Eddie some sometimes will definitely wear his emotions on his sleeve and his feelings on his sleeve. And so maybe, maybe he, maybe he gets that. Maybe they get that as a band, just as like a collective force, you know, we're not gonna, you know, this song is so anti this and we're, we're singing it to bring attention to it. So it can change, but then at what cost, what about the people that have already suffered under this? You know, we don't want to get them feeling a certain type of way. We care for their feelings as well. So it, I think it's going to be just a fine balance between the two of just not, not that they have to, but it, it's worth it to explain why you're doing this. You know, it's not to be spiteful or anything. It's just, this has to change and I have to get my frustrations and anger out through this song. And it's just a form of form of art, but then also at the same time at what cost, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's definitely, it's definitely a fine balance between the two. Or because Stone wrote the lyrics and it was just like, eh, you know, I'm not feeling it. I mean, mean, Stone was the problem. (laughs) It was Stone, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I think I think I've come around on it a little bit more, and it, it's just kind of just the odd sound of it, right? Understandable, you know that it's just kind of like ah, kind of turn me off a little bit, and then you know, kind of give it some time and come back to it, and it's kind of like, oh yeah, you know, this is uh, some good stuff, and you know, you hear Matt in the beginning, it's kind of like, oh yeah, oh oh yeah, this is a little bit better than I uh, than I remember it. Yeah, Binaural was definitely one that took me a while to to grow upon, but I think that was for everybody as well. Yeah. Uh, so we are ending with uh, asking the guests, just like Eddie was asked at the end of single video theory. So now I'm going to turn that question over to you. Uh, Eddie, what does Pearl Jam mean to you? Uh, Pearl Jam means a lot to me. It's definitely this. I mean, I'm only 23, 23. I just turned 23. So I don't have a lot of life experience, but Pearl Jam has been and probably will be the soundtrack to my life and that there's always a song for either how I was feeling or how I am feeling and the kind of emotion and feelings that Pearl Jam brings out, um, the kind of the, the community aspect of it, the fact that everybody can rally behind these people and, you know, we've, you know, these people have never met but we all have this common thread of Pearl Jam that it, it's like a, it's almost like a, a club or like um, kind of like a, a community almost where, you know, somebody could be having problems and, and going through a rough patch in time and Pearl Jam's coming through and they can't really get to see the show, but then the community, the Pearl Jam community in that specific area or just around the world will chip in and, and this, this person will go and, Pro Jam themselves will bring attention to what a hard time that these people have been going through. And this song is dedicated to that. And so it's just Pro Jam means a lot. And that encompasses, you know, the, the community, almost family aspect, the, the feelings that 
I personally get when I'm by myself or with a couple other people. And then those feelings when you're at one of the Pearl Jam concerts, it's like a whole different kind of world. And so it's just Pearl Jam means a lot. And it's crazy how much they mean to me in particular. I was going to try to say, uh, well, you mean a lot to them too, but uh, <laughs> I think, uh, no, I think uh, the, all the all the fans, all the people, you know, it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, Eddie. It's always good talking with you. And, Absolutely, uh, man. And and creating uh, theories and uh, and just weird interpretations of songs. That, uh, yeah, only on a on a pro jam podcast would you be asked. What does the dog mean? <laughs> but I love it. I'm here for it. <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm, I'm glad I came up with some with with some stuff to talk about with this song, other than you know, <laughs> just horrible. Yeah, sadness and bad. Yeah, bad stuff. Yes. Uh, yeah. Thanks for coming on, man. Oh, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, no problem. Um, do you want to tell people? How to find you if they want to uh, see what you have to say about things? Uh, yeah. So my Twitter is EddieQ344. Yeah. For all things me. And if you want to talk Pearl Jam or whatever, I'm, I'm always down. I'm always, I'm always here to converse. Yeah. I don't think I need to say thanks again. <laughs> we'll stop this. <laughs> the Better Band Podcast is produced by ListenUpReno.com and Brandon Palomo published using a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 license. Please visit creativecommons.org or email listenupreno at gmail.com for more details. All music played is owned by the respective publishers and copyright holders and is reproduced for review purposes only under fair use. You can subscribe to the Better Band Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or from betterbandpod.com using your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at betterbandpod. I am on Twitter at Brandon P, B-R-A-N-D-E-N-P. If you like the job I'm doing here, you can go to ko-fi.com slash Brandon P and leave me a $3 tip. Or give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and don't forget to tell your friends. If you would like to be a guest on a future episode, send an email to betterbandpod at gmail.com or send any insights and stories you'd like to share and I'll read them on the season finale episode. Again, I'd like to thank my guest Eddie and as always, this is Brandon saying... Animation is built on plagiarism. If it weren't for someone plagiarizing the Honeymooners, we wouldn't have the Flintstones. If someone hadn't ripped off Sergeant Bilko, there'd be no Top Cat, Huckleberry Hound, Chief Wiggum, Yogi Bear, ha, Andy Griffith, Edward G. Robinson, Art Carney.